0: morning my name is Pam Spencer and I've been a member of this church going on seven years I love this church and it has been a a true blessing in my life and I love the, the 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 teachings that pastor Jamie has that that he does on the gospel and the elders and the worship team are all amazing and it has done a great transformation in my faith during these seven years, and also with my family. I have um, I work in the medical field, and it was that March, March of 2020, when everyone's world was turned upside down, and everything was closing. The churches were the churches were closing, schools, restaurants. Um, no one knew what was going to happen and everything. Uh, people were working from home. It was just a, a really difficult time for everyone. Uh, so in my workplace, um, the residents were in complete isolation. The dining room closed. They were getting three meals a day in their rooms. And most of them have dementia. So that, that's even worse. So we were having to do the, do the whole PPE. Um, go in and uh, just just say hello to them, just so they had some kind of contact with with someone. And um, during that time, uh, church was not allowed to come in, no visitors, no family. So it was really put on my heart by God to lead a Bible study. And I had been attending Bible studies throughout the seven years here. And um, it just was a very strong, a very strong message from God. And he said, well, I don't want you to attend one. I want you to lead one. And I really had no idea how to lead one, how to go about teaching one. So that happened on a Saturday morning. And it was just very, a very strong message to me. And I said, okay, God definitely wants me to lead a Bible study in my workplace. So I I did, I went to my director and she welcomed it with open arms and was very happy about it. And she said, "When, when can you start? So I started three days later. I didn't have any Bibles. I didn't know how many were going to show up. So I went to Pastor Jamie and Pastor Jamie said to, he said, take whatever Bibles out of the pews that you need. So I took seven, seven Bibles and Exactly seven people showed up that Tuesday morning. Exactly seven. And so I and then it began to grow after that. But during that time, I definitely learned and over the seven years that I've been coming here, I learned to challenge myself and to step outside of my comfort zone. And this was definitely stepping outside of my comfort zone. This is too what I'm doing <laughs> very much. So I I have learned that over the seven years here and that we are all sitting here, we are all a beacon. We are that light. When we leave here, when we go to Hanover's, or when we, we meet with our family that isn't in church, we we are the light. We are to spread this message, What, whatever Pastor Jamie or the elders, uh, or even with the, wor- the worship music, that we are to go out there and spread his love and share what we've learned. So with that being said, um, there is light at the end of the tunnel in every situation and we, and that's what we all learned too during the pandemic is that as the, as that December, that same year, the vaccine was invented. Everyone was getting vaccinated, boosted, things were getting better, people were going back to work and it, um, so, so here we are. So things, things did get better. We did, we did make it through. So, we, are, we face challenges and trials every day, and our world is in a huge tribulation right now. So, I'm happy that Pastor Jamie is doing this series on Let There Be Light. I, th- I think it couldn't come at a, a better time. So, today's reading is on Genesis 1, 26 through 31. and to the very beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day.
1: Man, thank you, Pam. I also don't have to preach now. I think Pam said it all. Absolutely. Amen. How's everybody doing? Good. Um, so, when I was uh, in sixth grade, I remember because, uh, well, I'll tell you in a second. I, I was just like any kid trying to think, like, what's, what's my purpose? Like, what, you know, and, and uh, I decided I was going to take up the flute. The 9 o'clock, I said the fruit, so I've, I'm already past. Um, and so I, I got to a, a grade school fruit, cl- fruit There it is, flute class. <laughs> and uh, I know, so that's how good I was. That's not a flute at all, right? Um, and, and so there was five or six fifth grade girls and me, sixth grade boy. Right? And uh, so needless to say, I wasn't very good. In fact, we do have a picture that's of me taking up the, the flute right there. <laughs> Actually, he does a better job, uh, for sure. And I found out there was going to be a concert in front of the whole school till the end of the year. So I quit. Uh, I'm not usually a quitter, but I was really happy I did because I got to that concert. One of my friend Joe, he uh, he had taken up a different instrument, but he was very similar to me, except he didn't quit. And we had the biggest laugh at Joe's expense. I had detentions for the rest of the year because of that one, right? And uh, you know, so I, it wasn't to be a musician. Uh, so I thought well, maybe artist. Have you ever seen my handwriting? Just picture that, only art, okay? Not good, not good at all. In fact, uh, at the end of what would happen in, in, at good old St. Agnes School where I was through eighth grade, um, we did uh, art class at the end of the last day on Friday. That was our class. And uh, so we'd get some kind of art project or whatever and, and do it in those 45 minutes. And uh, there was two stops at the end for every kid uh, to go before leaving for the weekend. And the first stop was my good friend Chris Knoll. Who, if he wasn't so nice, I couldn't stand him because he was good at everything, right? Including art, and it was amazing. Whatever the project was, Chris would like do a sculpture somehow, right? And then, and you know, they'd go gather around and go ooh, ah, and then they'd come to Jamie's desk, and there was no ooh and there was no ah. It was just ha ha ha, right? Just ah, look at this. How did you even do that? Like, how'd you get glue and you know all that stuff, right? And so, a good, humbling laugh at my expense. So it wasn't to be an artist. I never really, you know, I was like, I don't know what it is, right? And, and, and if you, the younger you are, the worse it gets. Like, people start to ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? And you're like, I don't even know if I want to grow up, let alone what I want to be, you know? And then we become adults, and we still don't know really our purpose, and so... We just kind of, what's in front of us? I guess my purpose is to be a dad or a mom or a, my career or make money or whatever. And eventually, we just sort of lose sight of that completely. And then we're just like, I don't know, I'm just trying to make it through the day. Sound familiar? <laughs> and so I want, where you're at as we look at this, this passage together, right? And we'll get rid of my friend, uh, the fruit player, the fruit player. Uh, and, and wherever you're at is that you and I, as human beings, are made as image and likeness bearers of God to this world. Now, I know that's a big thing, and I want to prove that to you, but let's pray first. Lord, we come before you, um, you are God, but not everyone in here knows that or might know what that means, and so Lord, you have us all over the map of people who have known you for years and those who don't at all or everywhere in between, and so I pray through your word, just like you've already through worship and the Lord's Supper and that you would reach us to where we are at through your spirit. Lord, we humbly pray that it wouldn't be our agenda, my agenda, but yours. And it's in Jesus' name. All God's people said? Amen. 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 All right. So real quick before we dive in uh, to, to, to proving that to you. Um, we have coming up, there's a picture of one of our last baptisms. Uh, some really cool pictures. And um, so a believer's baptism, is, is. we haven't set the weekend yet, so if you are in the mix to uh, want a believer's baptism, we would love to talk to you. You can. Uh, so basically, uh, the best way to describe it in the quickest amount of time is what baptism, believer's baptism isn't. What it isn't. Uh, first thing, it isn't what saves you, right? It is a beautiful uh, picture of your faith in Christ who saves you, right? So it's not what saves you, but it's really important. Two, the thing that it isn't, um, it isn't what your parents might have done for you as a child. Um, I know I was christened, and I'm really glad my parents wanted me to have faith. Uh, it looks a lot different probably than they expected, uh, but uh, it was still awesome. So it's not discounting that or anything like that, but this is you, right? This is you saying, I've trusted Christ. So it should be after that, so that age. And the third thing that it is, and I really want you to hear me on this, because this is the one I get the most. I can't be baptized until... I clean up this thing in my life. I learn more about the Bible or whatever it is. It isn't a sign of Christian maturity. Otherwise, you will be in heaven getting baptized by Moses or something like that, right? Because you're always going to be a work in progress. We all are. So it's simply have you trusted Christ. So if, if, if that's you or you have questions, see me or respond to whatever messages we send out, out there. Put it through the website and uh, find us somehow. We'd love to include you. Okay? All right. Cool, and be praying about that for those because it's gonna be great. Um, all right, so so as we look at what what Pam just 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 read, um, we, we want to remember where we've been. Like so, in chapter one, uh, we, we've seen the five and just into the six days of creation. We'll see day seven next week, and and if you remember, if you were with us last week, it was just very simple. It wasn't a science book or a physics book or anything like that. It was just simply a lens, chapter one, right? The creation, uh, to look at and to see something about God. And, and be able to look through this lens and see the rest of Scripture and really my life. And we saw that God is all-powerful, right? God is good. And God is a light of life, right? Life. He loves life. That's really going to come into play today. And so we stopped at day six, okay? But we did see on day six, he, he created animals um, to, to, to fill the earth. And he had created everything else before that. But I want to argue to you is that the sixth day is clearly special. They're all amazing, all special, but the sixth is the longest uh, uh, narrative, longest account that we have of all of them, and it's special. And it's a, it's special because God blesses life, and then the pinnacle of life, human beings, mankind. Right? So, so how do we know it's, it's, it's special? Let me just look real quick. Verse 26. Then God said. So first of all, we're quoting God here, which didn't really happen in the rest of creation. So something's important here. Right? L- and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So the first question you might have is, what's the deal with the plural? Isn't God a singular? Later on it said we were made in his singular image. So let me clear up a theological debate that's centuries long for you in one minute. I'm not really going to do that. Uh, you didn't think I was that smart, did you? I mean, I can't do that. But it is important. So there's a lot of theories about why the plural here, and a lot of, most of them are I throw out. Um, but there's a few that are pretty good. Uh, one uh, that a lot of uh, scholars believe is that he was talking to an angelic uh, sort of, uh, office, right? So, so, but I, I throw that one out because we're not made in the image of God and angels, right? It's, that's not the case. It's just not the case biblically. Um, but the second one is a little confusing, but it's this idea of what's called the royal we or the plurality of majesty, which sounds really cool. It just simply means kings in that culture would sometimes refer to themselves in the plural to represent their rule and reign. And so maybe that's what it is. I, I, it could be. But I think the best attempt is what we've thought for centuries. This is a very very, very early picture of the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity, or the triune God. God is one in his image, but he's three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I will now spend five minutes explaining to you the doctrine of the Trinity. No, I'm not going to do that either. I just can't do that. Too complex, and it's hard, but what we need to know is when we see this verse, we see that it is clearly special. There's something important, even within the importance of creation. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. We see in a couple of verses later, verse 28, that God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Right. So, so it's special on day six where, where God blesses. And, now, and this isn't somebody sneezed, right? Oh, bless you. This is a Hebrew word that means he turns his full face towards you and just blesses you. So in creating you, and I'm talking about you and me, he blesses us profound, and he blesses us for life. Fill the earth, right? Like Like just multiply. Some of you took that command way too seriously in this church, I'll tell you that much bringing buses to church because you got so many kids. No, it's good. It's an invitation to life. right? It's an invitation for life to flourish. And it's special. It's clearly unique. Then at the end of that day, we heard Pam read earlier, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Now, we've seen throughout creation, it is good. Now we see very good, and I do believe he's including all of creation here, but it's set on day six, and I think it makes it special and makes it unique. Now, we have categories, right? So very good, like say you're talking about a restaurant. You might say, uh, it's very good. I'll return. I'll probably recommend it to somebody. But you've got higher ones, right? Excellent, phenomenal, amazing, right? Like whatever words you might describe go above very good. That's wrong in the Hebrew. In this case, God is saying this is the top. It doesn't get better. It's very good. Blessed life. Now go, multiply, fill the earth, flourish in life. So God in this beautiful uh, uh, creation shows that he is a God of life. See, sin, we'll see that in chapter 3, that brings death. That brings judgment, separation. That, that's what, what, what messes everything up. It's sin. It's not God's plan. God always wants a life. That's who Jesus is all about. That's why we celebrated this, right? Is that because of our sin, we die. But Jesus came and he died in our place so that we can have life. Because he's a plan of life, always. Yes, sin needs to be judged. And yes, there is death as a result of that. But God always wants Life, have you ever noticed throughout human history, plans that rebel against God, sometimes very overt and sometimes subtle, almost always lead to wanting to kill somebody or a group of people, right? Like, like you know, and, and it, it, it never, it, those who are, who are pushing it, it, it never is, them. <laughs> it's always somebody else. I mean, Hitler, a modern example, right? He didn't just kill six million Jews. Other religions, if you were handicapped, you were killed. If you were elderly and he considered you useless, you were killed. He thought everyone should look the same way. He didn't look anything like it, but that's okay. It's always leading to death. Sometimes it's more subtle things. And maybe you've heard this, we hear this more and more, especially amongst environmentalists, radical ones, say things like, the earth has too many people. Have you heard that? That's absolutely untrue. But think about what is it trying to push us towards? I recently listened to a a podcast, and uh, by no means Christians, Joe Rogan, not a Christian, (laughs) Elon Musk, you know, Tesla, SpaceX, not a Christian. And they were talking about this. And and, and Elon Musk said that. He's like, we could have ten times the amount of people. And I trust him. He's a smart guy. And he's an environmentalist and not a Christian. And yet he said to Joe Rogan, and I started kind of not laughing because it's not funny, but he's like, it's almost like there's a group of people, they they want to eradicate human beings. And I'm like, huh. That's what they always want to do. Because death is not the plan of God. It's life. And so when we are, as we're about to see, image and likeness bearers of God, we are for life, flourishing life. But sin messed that up. But first, we want to look at this, right? So we are made in his image and likeness. Okay, look at these two words. They could be sort of used interchangeably, but I think there is a reason both of them are there. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth over every creeping thing, creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And, and so the first thing, okay, that you need to understand, as I started, same way, is that you, maybe you don't believe in God, maybe you're not really sure, it doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is, and I believe this 100%, is you were made in the image and likeness of God. It doesn't mean you are God, right? You're made in the image of likeness of God. That's your purpose. That's you. That's me. Now, you may say, well, isn't sin messed it up? It is, and we'll get to that in a second. But in Genesis chapter 8, he's talking about murder. Don't kill another person. But he says, here's why. That person is made in the image and likeness of God. So it didn't stop because of sin. It just got really corrupted and messed up. So you have a purpose that is far beyond playing an instrument or a sport or your career, you're made for a purpose, right? To bear that likeness and image. And here's what I love. See, because throughout creation, even when he got to animals, they didn't describe male and female. The Bible doesn't just say words for no reason, okay? This is very important. What this is saying is that that first of all, if you were born, you know, a girl or a boy or man or a woman, it wasn't a biological accident, it wasn't a luck of the draw. it wasn't just some DNA shuffle. You were carefully planned and formed by God to be who you are. Has sin, has a broken world, messed some of that stuff up? Yes, but you have a purpose. And that means, if you are a boy, girl, man, woman, you are made equally in the purpose of God, to bear His likeness and image. I find it a little ironic, I think, that um, that sort of the, the modern Western world accuses the church often of being anti-woman, anti-feminist. Now, some of that we deserve, right? Some of that, some messed up people, because that's who we are. All one degree of glory at a time. And, and there's even been church organizations that are led by people who are not Christians, to say they are. And so we have black marks. But if you look just at the world history, it is because of the church that women thrive and flourish. Like throughout history, throughout cultures, women are trampled on, abused, taken advantage of, hurt—all of those things. Right? It is when the church took this first seriously and said, "No, no, 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 no—they are to soar. They are women are to be protected and cherished and nourished and helped because they are made in the likeness and image of God, equally, equally." right so 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 it's a beautiful thing that, that that's our purpose, but what is it, Jamie? Likeness? Like what does that mean? And you can read scholars throughout the generations of saying, "Here's what I think it means." and there's good theories. like it means if you're made in the likeness of God, it means we have logic and we can make decisions and we have morality. And we can grow and build and, and, and think and, and all of these things. And, and we're, we have an, an everlasting soul. And I think all of those are true. But here's the problem. The Bible doesn't say any of that. It just says you're made in his likeness. The Bible says what it says. And so what we can know from Scripture, just actually a few chapters later, one verse from chapter 5, this is when Adam was having a son named Seth. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son. Can you imagine that? <laughs> 130 years old, you're having a kid? No, thank you. All right. <laughs> no energy for that, but clearly Adam had it, right? He fathered a son in his own, there it is, likeness after his image and named him Seth. And so what we do know is when you're in the, uh, a bearer of the image of God, there is a sense to which father to son or parent to child, so, when I think about like, my biological dad, good old Jimmy Walton, right? A lot of good things he handed down to me, and maybe some not such good things, right? Both physically, through genes, through traits, but also just through living and being raised by him, right? That, that, that I am in his likeness because of that. And you are to your parents. I mean, you all, you get to a certain age, you're like, I just sound just like my mother, right? There's a lot of reasons for that. So, uh, so we're in the likeness of God. And so, that, that, But it also in their culture, when you were at a father-to-son relationship, there was also a certain level of authority and responsibility handed down that we don't quite grasp in our culture. But I think that's also embodied in that word image. You see, in their culture, often kings, especially Egypt loved to do this, a king would, would, would say that I am in the image of the gods, meaning I have the authority to rule and reign over you given to me by the gods. That's what an image would be. So if we are bare image bearers of God, what kind of responsibility and authority are we given? Well, let me just really, really quickly bring you back to, to the text in Genesis. It says, God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant-yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. On and on it goes. So to be in his image, to be in his likeness, is not just to be like him, but to be given serious vice-regent sort of responsibilities, stewardship responsibilities, that we are to be, we were made to be, govern all of the, the animals and, and, and all of the, the environment that we live in. But here's the, the trick, okay? When you're a vice regent, when you're an image bearer, you do it in the same way God would want you to do it. Not how you decide or how I decide, but how God would do it. So our animals, our plants, our environment, and one another. And that, if we would do that and be about life, is very good. What's the problem though, Jamie? (laughs) Everything's messed up. Our image is corrupted. We have to admit that, right? The world's a mess. It's brokenness everywhere. The way people treat each other, it's not that way. The way we treat the environment, the way we treat it like it's just it's all a mess. So here's what I, I don't want you to get to this point, be like, "All right, I'm done. Uh, we're good." I want to go outside and I'm gonna go work hard at being an image and likeness bearer of God. I will do it. I will work. I will. I will be in church every time you're open, and I'm gonna do it. That'll get you to the Dunkin' Donuts line, and you get impatient and you yell at somebody, right? So, so I don't want you to. That's like this. Let me let me show you, because the world's a mess, right? So imagine this. This is this is the world. I have such clever illustrations, don't I? Uh, big budget here at Cornerstone. Um, this is the world, huge mess, huge mess. And you saying that, like I'm going to uh, I'm 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 gonna fix everything, right? Is you saying, right, is is you saying, I'm gonna go out and clean up this mess. But you're a mess. Am I being insulted by saying that? Sins jacked us all up. Right? We, we all have a mess, and so if we're going to work at it, it's so. So yes, the original creation is very good, but sin's messed it up. So right, the only way is not to try to do it. Here's all that happens: more mess, right? When we're out there on our own, but when we are in Christ, now slowly and surely. Jesus is renewing you. He's not just saving you to go to heaven. He's renewing and recreating your heart through the spirit, your mind, your life. And through you and me and us, this world, eventually, he's going to come back and completely bring that creation back to where it's supposed to be. So we're in the already not yet. Already saved. Christ has come. But he hasn't come again. So we're in this mess. What do we do? right? So, so if you're not a Christian, I'm just saying, like, like you're like, what are you, are you trying to get me to become a Christian? Yes. I'm not, I don't play games, but I can't force you. We're not going to lock the doors and make you drink Kool-Aid or anything weird. We'll do weird stuff. That's just because we're weird, but that's fine. But, but like, you're, you, you, I just need you to know that it's not going to happen on your own. You've already tried it. How's it working out? But when you submit to Christ, when you you say, Jesus died for me, Jesus gives me his spirit, and and now, so many of you can attest to this, now your mind begins to be renewed. Your spirit, your heart, your life, slowly, way too slow for our liking sometimes, and surely. Let me look, just real quick, what what Paul said in in, um, Ephesians. He said, because I want to make sure you, you don't think I'm making this up. But that is not the way you learned Christ, meaning the old way of sin. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and to corrupt and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God, and true righteousness and holiness. So, it's in Christ that he's re-giving you a new heart, his spirit. Now, if, you're, if you've been a Christian a while, you may get confused by this because I sometimes do. It's like, okay, so which is it? Because like, we're constantly told it's by God's grace, it's by his spirit, right? So if I'm just going to go out and try to work, nothing's going to happen, I need him. And that's true. So do I stay passive? Well, no. You just look at this one verse. What did we hear? We heard you're renewed by the spirit, you're passive in that, but then you put off and put on. So you have an active role as well. right? So, you, you, so so, we are to be very purposeful in what God has told us to do and, and, and has for us to be an image and likeness bearer of God. But we cannot do it without the moment by moment in Christ, the grace of Christ. It's both. And so the more you submit to him, the more you're in his word, the more you're praying, the more you're worshiping, the more you're with with community and the more you're, you're like what your the, the goal is is to through the spirit Jesus is making you more and more and more and more like the creation you were meant to be an image bearer and likeness bearer of God in this world that's your purpose right that is ultimately our purpose is to bear the image and likeness of God in this world that's a big sentence And and it's applied a few different ways. And eventually I'm going to land very specifically that any one of you can can relate to. But the first way I think you need to apply this, because some of you especially need to hear this. um, You need to apply this to you. Like you need to understand that you are an image and likeness bearer of God. With that purpose. Now, some of you right now are suffering from pride, and you need, hum- you know, humbling. God will do that. <laughs> I've been there. You know, one of the top things people have said to me since uh, coming back to, um, from sabbatical? Wow, Jamie, you really went gray. <laughs> I'm like, guys, it was three months. I was gray before. Just ask Naomi. She does my hair. If I does, she cuts it, you know, all right? I don't know, but maybe it was just God just saying, You're getting old, man. Get to work. I don't know. So sometimes we need humbling. But I bet a lot of you need to hear me. You need to hear me. Because you're going to be no good for the purpose God has for you until you ascribe this to yourself. Because did you know that for a lot of you, you're the worst enemy of you? Like you have that one person who says things to me or but but like you talk to yourself 24-7. I'm ugly, I'm stupid, I'm a failure. a loser. You know all of your biggest mistakes. You know all of your biggest sins. You know your shame far greater than your worst enemy. And here's the thing. I'm not saying excuse sin. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm saying that you, you are, are an image and likeness bearer of God. And if you don't grasp that, all else will be lost when it comes to your purpose. I'm not saying run out and go, hey, everybody, I'm an image of God. I almost just pulled a calf muscle doing that. I am getting old. That's not what I'm saying, right? People are going to be sort of put off by that, all right? But that's who you are. When you understand this purpose and you wake up in the morning, you suddenly realize that I'm not, like, like as I'm frustrated, I'm stressed because I think my purpose is my career or my money or this or that, and, and I'm not living up to it, so I'm stressed, I can't sleep. Instead, you breathe and you say, oh, I can just be an image bearer of God wherever he brings me, wherever he puts me. And so when we do that, the second thing is it's always, always, always about life. The flourishing of life as God created it. Even in a broken world, that has gone very much against that. We're a people, like the church has always been, again, a lot of black marks, a lot of things we're not proud of, absolutely throughout church history. But do you know where hospitals came from? The church. They won't teach that in school early, early church centuries. If you are sick and poor, you died. Done. It was the church that said, whoa, 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 whoa. You're made in the image and likeness of God. Jesus said to care for the sick. You matter. Hospitals. Orphanages? That wasn't governments. Governments? No. There's a residue of what once was. A lot of people that they believed in Jesus. <laughs> and so we have some of that, but orphanages were the church. They said, you matter. Your life matters. That's why we're doing the, uh, the auction. By the way, I'm an auction off an item. You can pick one sermon that I have to preach on. So be there. Bring your money. Oh, anyway. I'm not taking a cut, I promise, right? But that's for, for, for the homeless. Or for, it's not just uh, life that they're, they're, their heart is beating and they're breathing. It's that their life might flourish. That's why we're about the gospel, which is eternal life. God is a God of life. His people are about life. Always. Always. Whether you're handicapped or you have mental problems, like, come on in. Because God loves you and you are an image bearer and likeness bearer of God. That's why the church has always been so, just despite all of the attacks, we've always been about life in the womb. Always. And I know that's become politicized and controversial and but in the end, now science has proven that's a life. It's all different arguments now. Right? But, but we, we, like, like we, we believe to do everything we can, not just to be angry and argumentative, but to say we want life to flourish. What can we do? Maybe it's adopt. Maybe it's foster. Maybe someone in your life is like, I th- I'm thinking about uh, adopting. Don't go, ugh, Why? Go, well, I can't do that, but how can I help? Maybe I can help you. Maybe I can help financially. Maybe I can help. Like, how can I help? How can I pray? We are the ones God has said, be about life. And I know when I say that about the womb, I know the statistics. There's people in the room right here that either had an abortion or have been, or pushed someone into it. Man, I just need you to hear me. You need to let the amazing grace of Jesus Christ wash over you. Like, no one here is a greater sinner than me. I mean, Paul said he was chief of sinners, but come on. You need to understand what we just sang a little while ago. The cross is enough. I also know, statistically speaking, that there's people here, they're here because someone courageously chose life. Praise God for that. We are about life from womb to tomb. From womb to tomb. So here's how I just, last thing, I just want to land this way. I, I promised you this. That whether you're, um, wherever you are on the map, old, young, rich, not so rich, uh, career, not single, married, wh- wherever you are, you can do this. You can say, in Christ, that's the first step, in Christ, I'm an image and likeness pair of God to the world. I mean, really specifically, your context. Thursday morning. I had to bring my wife, Heather, and daughter, Grace, to the airport, Logan, Boston. They are going went to visit a school this weekend, college. I know some of you are like, oh, already? Yep, she's a senior, okay? And, and so um, I, I, made, you know, I made the arrangements. It's like 11 in the morning. That'll be perfect. And I'm like, oh, wait, you got to get there at 9, rush hour. That was stupid, right? So we sat in rush hour. That immediately puts you in a great mood, of course. And uh, I have been to Logan many times. For some reason, I got off. The exit before I was supposed to. When you do that on 146 in Millbury, it doesn't matter. When you do that in rush hour in Boston, my GPS went up 16 minutes. I remember I looked. Zoop. Because you come out and you stop. And now I'm also in Boston, which I'm like, oh, man, who knows what they're doing around here. And then I took another left-hand turn that was wrong, and, and it went up nine minutes, right? And I'm just saying, like, I was not an image or likeness bearer of God in that moment in the car. I had some choice words. Thankfully, they were for myself, right? Because my wife did say to me, well, why did you do that? (laughs) It could have went really wrong. This could be a whole different Sunday with the elders disciplining me in front of you and saying, we need a new pastor. So thankfully, I got through that, right? I was patient there, but I was not patient with myself, and I was not anywhere near the image or likeness bearer of God. And I, I bring you that sort of silly example just to show you we have good and bad situations and everywhere in between. Imagine if you woke up or even just leave here right now, right, and just say, that's all my purpose is. It's just be an image bearer, a likeness bearer of God. Who can I encourage? Who can I help? Who can I show patience to? Who can Right? Like, you know, I wish I sang Chris Tomlin songs through that environment. I didn't. You're going to mess up. But, but you have another opportunity and another opportunity. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, who you are, where you are. You can wake up and be like, I am an image and likeness bearer of God. People will see him because I'm here. I'm going to help them. I want to flourish their life, not hate them, not crush them. Be a help because that's the thing. You've been given this responsibility, but it's not to do as you want. That's what sin brings. It's to do it as he would, to treat our environment, our animals, our vegetation, our world, and most importantly, one another the way God would. And so as I pray, Think about that. I know it's convicting. Listen, don't nudge somebody. You weren't. You were. You got in the car on the way here. You make a really bad Holy Spirit. I've told you that, right? You're really bad at it. Let him do Holy Spirit work. You don't do that. Instead, let him weigh in on you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your grace is enough. Your cross is enough. But Lord, I pray for anyone who's here who. Man, they're their own worst enemy. They don't need people to attack them because they attack themselves nonstop. I ask for you to help them to see clearly that that's not how you see them. You see them as a child. You see them and love them. So Lord, I pray that you would supernaturally help remove the barriers of sin and shame so that people might see themselves the way you do. And Lord, I pray for anyone who's never coming into this room today, just put their faith in what you did, Jesus, on the cross. That you'd open their heart and their mind and their life to believe, to say, I don't want to do it on my own anymore. I can't. I'm a mess. I'm making more of a mess. I need you, Jesus. That they would put their faith in you. that You would lead them to salvation today. Lord, I ask for you to help us to breathe and know our purpose is not that complicated. It's amazing, but it's not that complicated. Help us to remember that it's just simply to stop and be an image bearer, likeness bearer. And our playing fields and our concert halls and our schools and workplaces and churches and just give us what we need to be reminded of that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You could sit or stand if you're able to worship with us. Let's stand.